the authentic friends, and we've just been looking at all sorts of relationships, different kinds of things, so we're going to end it with how to stay friends, how to stay in healthy relationships, and lately, uh, my, my last three family days haven't been the greatest. We take um, Fridays or Saturdays, and we do these family days, and we just try to get, get away out of town. Um, sometimes we stay in town, but yesterday we tried to drive up to Oak Glen and, uh, you know, get away from the crowds. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you've ever been to Oak Glen on the weekends right now, it's madhouse, you know. There's just thousands and thousands of people up there. We get up there, you know, to pick apples. We get to the apple farm and, oh, too late. All the apples are gone. <laughs> they ran out about an hour ago. So, okay, bummer. So we head down to another place. You know, we, we have a good time, but there was points in the day where I found myself getting pretty frustrated. I was, I was just like, man, this, I'm frustrated. You know, I didn't say that, but I felt that on the inside. I'm just frustrated. And... That was probably not an unknown thing to my wife and my kids. They could read that I was frustrated. And, you know, if I go back a week before I went to Disneyland, same kind of situation happened, you know. Family day, I kind of found myself frustrated. And um, when I'm frustrated, it seems like I have the ability to kind of, um, you know, turn the dial towards frustration. And uh, then everybody gets a little agitated. And the week before, you know, another family day, there's a pattern here you're seeing, you know. I wanted certain things during my family day. I might want to rename it like my day in a sense, but um, it's a family day. It's not my day. You know, and I have this intention to, to make it the family day, but there's this ticking time bomb inside of me that sometimes blows up. <laughs> And, uh, and it results in frustration or annoyance or just... And, and then that creates a difficult thing for everyone. I know I'm not the only person here who deals with that. And um, this didn't just come up because I happen to be speaking on this topic. But this is what we're talking about. How do you, how do you stay in healthy relationships? How do you manage those ticking time bombs that are in our lives that um, will really ruin family days, will ruin really over time if we don't get... A handle on some of these things, it ruins our relationships. These are the relationship killers. I want to address six underlying relationship killers that will sabotage our relationship success. So we've looked at marriage and dating relationships and parenting. You know, you could have and establish all those types of relationships, but if you don't deal with, me included, if we don't all deal with these relationship killers, those bombs will go off at the worst times. So, there are, there are some red-hot relationship killers that the Bible talks about and that we all are very aware of. We're not going to deal with those, but you know, just some red-hot relationship killers, gossip. Everyone knows that if you start talking bad about your friends, um, you know, behind their back, you're talking good in front of them, but then behind their back you're talking bad, you know, we know that that will blow up in our faces. We know slander. Um, another, slander is basically when you're saying something that's not true, or you're taking the truth and you're kind of twisting it around, that's slander. Again, that's a you know, pretty obvious relationship killer. Or if you're you know, verbally abusive, physically abusive, obviously those things will kill your relationships. The things we're looking at this morning, they're a little more subtle. They're like these underlying things that work their way into our lives. Sometimes we don't realize that we're, that we're 
that these things are operating, but they're doing the damage. And so let's take a look at them. The first one is this. You can pull out this uh, listening guide if you'd like to follow along. The first one is this. It's a failure to make connection. That's a relationship killer. When we fail to connect relationally, it's like a ticking time bomb in our life. What this means is we meet someone, we're in a relationship, whether it's dating, friendship, even marriage. You know, we get really impressed with them, but we don't take the time to find out who they really are. We fail to connect with them. You know, the, the wow begins maybe in marriage or in dating. You're, you're wowed by this person, but you never move past the wow to get to know the real person. Some, here's what it looks like. You know, when we're in love with being in love. You know, I just love being in love and it's just a great feeling. And it's when we're, we're so wrapped up in love, again, that we take the time to connect with the other person to find out who they really are. We love the idea so we idealize the other person. We spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about the other person. We, we put them up on a pedestal and we believe that they're this perfect person. Um, but the truth is, none of us have perfect personalities. And it, but it's very easy to idealize other people. Another thing is just this idea of I want to have the perfect relationship. This is another example of this relationship killer. I want to have that model relationship. And maybe... This, you get set up for this. Sometimes this is what happens. A couple gets together and, and others say, man, you guys are just perfect for each other. You're so cute. You're, oh, it's, it's adorable. And, and, and then everyone's looking and talking about this perfect relationship. And you're like, yeah, we are. We really are. And over time, you don't connect. You fail to connect because, again, you're, just, you're, you're caught up in this romantic idea of what other people believe you to be. Sometimes we watch movies and we see this. Um, we see this, you know, this picture of the, you know, the, the love story and, you know, where the guy and the girl, they meet and the guy, he writes poetry to his, his girlfriend. And, and so, you know, we, we kind of think, yeah, that's how we need to be. And so why isn't he writing me poetry though? Cause they always do that on the movies and, and, why isn't she doing this and that? And, cause they, and so, again, we, we have this idea in our head of what it needs to be like, and then it's not that way, and we, it blows up over time. Another thing is, when we're, when we're failing to connect, ultimately what we're doing is we're being dishonest. We're being dishonest about who we really are. And sometimes it's because we enjoy the other person, we enjoy the relationship, but we fail to be honest about our thoughts, about our preferences, our likes, you know, we just sort of go along and we pretend that we're really enjoying everything that they enjoy. You know, they say, I, I like rodeo and I like barbecue and I like, and you're like, I'm a vegetarian and I, and I, I hate rodeo, but, but you go along with it because they like it. Well, over time, again, because we fail to connect in a relationship and that, that blows up. Sometimes we just walk around, we've been dishonest and we kind of stiff arm we're not trying to do this, but essentially by being dishonest about who we are, we're really stiff-arming the world. We're stiff-arming our relationships, keeping people somewhat at a distance because we don't, we don't want to let the real person come out. So here's the cure. If you struggle in this way, failing to connect, the cure is this. Get real. Be real. Let the person, the real you, be known. And get to know the other person. Take the time to deal in honesty with your friends. Maybe this is a friendship. 
You know, and again, you, you go along with everything, but in reality, it's, 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 it's not a good friendship. You have, you've not been really honest. Well, the, the best thing to do, according to Scripture, is to get real, just to get honest with each other. Look at what Proverbs 14 says. It says, A fool will believe anything, but smart people watch their step. You know, we shouldn't operate with just believing, oh, I know everything about this person. But, you know, smart people, they take the time to get to know. They ask questions, they learn, they clarify. They don't just jump right in. In, in, <clears throat> in relationships, they take time. We, lo- we looked at this a few weeks back about learning to trust a little bit and then verify. That's the process to develop more honest relationships. And as you're getting to know people, one of the most important things is to let them be who they really are. Rather than to control it, let them be who they are. But then ask yourself, do I really know these people? The people in my life, the people that I'm, you know, the person maybe that I'm married to, do I really know them? Have I taken the time? You might be new, newly married. And again, it's easy to just get caught up in the idea of being in love and not take the time to connect with the person. So that's the first one. The second one is this. It's using. It's really similar. It's using the other person. There's a great temptation to use friendships, to use romantic dating relationships, just to use relationships, even marriage, to just meet my needs. You know, no one ever really wakes up with this plan, like, I want the world to serve me today. But sometimes we really relate with this relationship killer. We, want to, we, we tend to use people to meet our own self-serving needs. We think this, you know, this person is going to do things for me. In life, this person's gonna, this is gonna help. This person's gonna help me get ahead in life. Sometimes we do this in business. You know, I'm gonna connect with this person because they've got the right connections, and so if I connect with them, um, you know, they'll help me get further down the road, professionally or whatever. In relationships, there's a uh, there's a term that goes around our culture today, or it's a phrase. It's it's friends with benefits. Anybody ever heard this term? I'm sure you have. You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay, but. You know, the term friends with benefits describes a sexual relationship between a couple who has no intention of moving towards commitment, right? It's just, it's friends with sexual benefits. And as people have studied this type of relationship, here's a shocker. Studies show that the men emphasize the benefits and the women tend to emphasize the friendship, the relationship. You know, the guys, the guys were out for sex and the girls were out for the relationship. But again, what it is, is it's using the other person. It's, it's usury. <clears throat> and this violates an important principle in life, which is you use things and you love people. Sometimes we, we, we switch that. You know, we love things and we use people. And that's, that's what this looks like. This can happen emotionally. This can happen financially. So we have to be careful that we really... Are treating that we're treating people with love. Um, sometimes this happens in marriage, um, when marriage isn't going well. Sometimes what will happen is one of the individuals in a suffering marriage might escape from the marriage and latch on to a person, latch on to a friend or someone who, who fills a need in their life so that they can kind of escape the suffering or the spouse that they're trying to avoid. But there's this other person who... Um, is being used in the process. They're trying to draw resources. Larry Crabb, he's an author and a speaker who talks about marriage and family. 
He calls this drawing off of each other when we do this. Whenever we use someone, we, we, we're drawing off of each other. And he uses the analogy of it's like a tick that draws blood off of animals, right? Ticks latch on animals and they draw, you know, they, they get fed that way apparently. But he said the problem with most marriages, and I've said this before, is that most marriages are two ticks and no dog. So we just suck the life out of each other. We're drawing resources and we're, and we're, again, we're using. Here's, here's the strategy. Generally, to get what we want, we try to control. Control is the key strategy when you're using. Why? Because we really need them. And without them, we feel helpless. And so this can take the form of seductive helplessness. You know, a person's just, he's, he or she is so needy for that other person that, that they're sick when they're not around. If the person says, I'm going to go out of town, I'm sick. I'm really sick. And so sometimes you see this portrayed on movies. But this, this happens in real life too. We don't want to lose that person that, we're, that we need to, to stay in our life. And so you know, they'll, if the person who struggles in this area will use guilt, manipulation, just different strategies to trap people to keep them from leaving. In marriage, this might mean withholding sex from your partner, just that's a way of control. It's a way to use them. <clears throat> and sometimes this looks, sometimes this means overgiving or overserving in order to keep people um, indebted to us. And so we just have to watch this whole area of using people. We want to learn to love people. Um, here's the two problems that come, that grow out of using people is only God can fully meet my needs. He's the only one. He's the only one who can provide strength to live, the resources that we need in life. He's the one who promises to take care of us if we'll look to Him. But, but so often we look to other people to meet the needs that God Himself can meet. If you're, if you're trying to um, play this, you know, if you're being used, if you find that you're the need meter in someone else's life, it's kind of a lose-lose because you cannot fully meet anyone's needs. God alone can do that. And so, not only will you build resentment, will that you know, create resentment in you, but the person will feel ripped off. Because you cannot, it's like trying to squeeze, you know, more juice out of a lemon. You know, when you've already squeezed it all out, you can't get any more out of this person eventually. And over time, we hate this. We hate manipulators. People who scheme are hated, the scripture says. People who scheme... For those who are working a plan to get what they want over time, that just resentment builds. Again, that's a ticking time bomb in our relationships. We have to be really careful. Here's the cure. First, depend on God to meet your needs. <clears throat> depend on God to meet your needs. If you have been, in a subtle way, using another person to meet needs in your life, then learn how to do this. Learn how to grow in your relationship with God. If you don't know how to do that, if you don't know what that means... Um, let us know. We'd love to help you in this area. You can mark on your welcome card, I'd like to learn how to grow as a Christian. That's part of growth, is learning how to trust God to meet your daily needs. He wants to, he wants to <clears throat> through the scriptures, through learning how to be um, fed and nourished by what he has to say in life. This is a big part of how he meets our needs. But then through this, he'll rearrange our perspective. Again, that's, that meets needs in our life. Another thing is, don't play God to others. Just refuse to be the need meter. If you, if you realize you, you're being used, refuse to be the need meter and encourage people 
to turn to God. Encourage people to, to go to Him first. Another thing is, obey the golden rule. Jesus, He laid this down as sort of the fundamental rule in all relationships. He said, do to others as you would have them do to you. Different philosophers have said really similar statements, but usually it's in a negative sense. So some of the statements you might find in different philosophers or different leaders' writings, something like, don't do to others something you wouldn't want them to do to you. Jesus, he turned it around. He put this in the positive. He basically says, look, take the initiative in your relationships to do to others what you would want, what you wish would happen to you. Apply that rule to your relationships. Treat them the way that you wish you would be treated, the best. So that's the second, that's the second relationship killer. On the back side, there's four more. The next one is this, poor communication patterns. Again, this will really destroy relationships over time. Communication happens when the idea in our head over here transfers to the idea, to ideas in, in reality over there in their head. And so it's transferring information back and forth. C- communication is a real challenge, though. This is, my, this is one of my uh, major challenges in life, is communication. Making sure that I'm getting, that I'm listening, that I'm processing what people are saying, making sure that I'm communicating clearly. But here's some of the things. Failure to talk about the issues that need to be discussed. This is how it looks. Sometimes we just fail to talk about the elephant in the room. We've heard that term. You know, you're sitting in a room with someone and there's this big elephant there and nobody's talking about it. Everyone sees the elephant, but no one's talking about it. We all pretend like it doesn't exist. Meanwhile, the elephant's growing more and more, more and more. It's pushing on us even more. We, we feel the pressure of this, this thing that needs to be discussed, but nobody wants to talk about it. Real love addresses the issues in life that need to be dealt with because we know it will grow. The elephant, the problem, the issue will grow. Again, this is something that, you know, if I've, if I've got frustrated and I've, I've created an argument or a fight, you know, generally, um, I, I don't want to bring it up right away. I'm, I'm processing. I'm hoping it's just going to go away. But meanwhile, you know, I'm still frustrated. It's growing inside of me. I'm frustrated. The other person's getting frustrated because... We're not talking about reality. We're not talking about the truth here. You see this in, in, in couples sometimes. Maybe you're out to dinner with another couple and they'll start shooting verbally. They'll be shooting each other across the table. Maybe you're sitting next to the, your buddy and she's sitting next to her girlfriend and you're talking, and, but they're shooting each other and they're hiding behind you and you're, you're just realizing you're kind of like a, you know, a little bit of a cover for when they kind of duck behind you and, poof, poof, and they just jab at each other because there's these issues in the relationship that aren't being dealt with. There's, there's poor communication going on there. So what, what I found is it's just better to talk about the real issues openly and honestly rather than getting frustrated. And we've all done this. I think we've all struggled to be honest about what we're really thinking and what we're experiencing. best thing is just to get it out there. Another thing related to this is poor communication patterns is inadequate listening patterns that block communication. Another one that I find myself really struggling with is just tending to not really listen when people are sharing with me what they're what they're dealing with and here here's a scenario you know maybe a wife she says something and uh, rather than asking questions about the situation um, 
this is a common thing, is to listen, to judge, and then instruct. So it looks this way. You did what? That was stupid. You should have done this. And they're like, or, you know, wow, you did that? Man, that was really dumb. You know, you should have, you should have done this. They're not asking, though. They're not asking to be instructed or, or judged. A better, a better listening plan is to, is to support, to clarify, to listen, to support, to clarify. Wow. You know, that must have been tough. You know, I, what I hear you saying is this, and letting the other person, you know, respond. Men, we tend to be masters at the listen, judge, and instruct. Wow, you did that? That was dumb. That was stupid. Yeah, you should have done it this way. So I think for us guys, generally, we have to stop. We have to think, okay, what are they, what are they trying to communicate here? What are they needing to get off their chest right now? And we, we have to come alongside and support them as they're working through whatever they're working through. Here's the cure. Say only what builds others up. Say only what builds others up. Ephesians says, don't say anything that would hurt another person. Instead, speak only what is good so that you can give help wherever help is needed. Wherever it is needed. That way, what you say will help those who hear you. You know, the Scripture basically is saying here that everything that comes out of our mouth ought to go through a filter of, is this going to help? Before I say it, is this going to help? When I say, that was dumb, you know, that's not really going to help situations. So, we have to learn to have a have kind of a, a gate that we, you know, drop over our mouth sometimes and let that be the stopping point for a lot of our thoughts, for our ideas before we communicate them. The fourth one is this, unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness. All relationships are built on trust. You know, we know this about relationships. But when you have a relationship, you're assuming that they're not going to damage you. You're assuming that they want what's best for you. That's what we've defined as, as an authentic friend, as someone who wants good for you. And so we're trusting when we get to know people that they want good, not harm. But whenever you break t- trust, people feel damaged. You know, damage is done, and then they start pulling back from the relationship. This might include lying. Lying will ruin relationships. Or a string of broken promises. Over time, if you get to the point where you just let people down, then nobody will trust you anymore. Friends will not trust you. Not fulfilling responsibilities, things that should be your load in life. Disloyalty. When we say things behind people's backs, that's, that's un- being unfaithful. That undermines trust. And when we do this, the Scripture says that eventually it creates too much pain. Look at, look at this verse, Proverbs 25, 19. Putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. You know, we don't want to be that, that pain, but that's what unfaithfulness creates in our relationships. It's, it's very, very painful. Who's walked with a, a broken foot before? You know, it's painful. You're reminded of it with every step. And so unfaithfulness is a constant reminder to the person and, and to those people in our lives. The cure is this, to do what is good for the other. Do what is good for the other for a long time. You know, one good thing does not rebuild trust. So if you've been unfaithful in areas, if you've not been reliable in areas, you know, doing something right, being faithful once for one hour, isn't enough to rebuild trust. 
But if you will be faithful over a period of time, trust can be rebuilt in any situation. That's, that's the great part about it, is even when deep, deep damage is done and there is, there is <clears throat> lots of pain, if you'll decide, I am going to be a faithful person in, in my relationships, if it's marriage, if it's friendship, just deciding to be trustworthy, over time that will rebuild trust. That's what Scripture says in Proverbs 16, through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. That's the only thing that can rebuild trust oftentimes, is just deciding, I'm going to do what's best for this person over and over again. Trust can be rebuilt. The fifth thing is this, pride. Pride is a subtle relationship killer. This is what I was dealing with on my last three family days. I identified that after I saw the pattern of, man, my family days continually are disrupted because of me. (laughs) And I realized I have some needs I'm trying to get met on my family day, and I believe I deserve to get these needs met today. And then... You know, I look at my three-year-old son or my five-year-old son, and I realize they're not going to meet those needs. You know, this is a day for us to connect with each other. This is a day to focus on our family and, and connecting. It's not a day where I, need, I should be expecting to get my needs met. But whenever we decide to operate in pride, conflict will erupt. And this is what we experience. Proverbs 13.10 says, pride leads to conflict. You can count on it. Whenever we believe we deserve to reach our goals ahead of other people, then there, a fight is not far away. It's minutes away. For me, just to be real honest, whenever my pride has gotten the best of me, um, it is so, so difficult to admit that I'm wrong. I don't know why that is, but it's just so difficult to, to admit it. It's clear to everyone in the room. It's even clear to me sometimes. But just to get the words, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? To get those phrases out of my mouth, mouth is like, it's like pulling teeth sometimes because pride is just something we have to beat down in our lives, isn't it? Sometimes we turn this around and we don't want to grant forgiveness. Sometimes we don't want to give, you know, sometimes we don't want to admit that we've done wrong. Other times we don't want to grant forgiveness to other people because of pride. So if someone has done wrong towards us and then they say, hey, I'm, I'm wrong, would you forgive me? And we say, no. I'm going to make you pay all day. I'll think about it tomorrow, and then we'll, we'll, we'll see. But they'll make you pay for it. And so pride can operate in both ways. We don't, want to, we don't want to get the words out and clear it up, or we don't want to give people an opportunity to clear it up with us when they're ready to. Pride is a, is a nasty thing if we let it run wild. We think, you know, that's the fifth time you've done that to me. I'm done with you. Um, but sometimes, you know... A lot of my biggest mistakes, I'm grateful that there's not a, you know, three strikes and you're out rule because I'd be, I'd be out of most every area in my life, I feel like. Be, you know, if it weren't for the fact that God is gracious and he sets that pattern of forgiveness in our life, now we need to work on things, but God is gracious with us. We need to look to his example in this area when it comes to forgiving others. But Proverbs 11.2 says this, when pride comes, then comes shame. Whenever we let this loose in our life, it's just a matter of time before we're the ones who's put to shame. We end up looking foolish in the end. So the cure is this. Act and speak in humility. You know, it's no fun to say sorry. It's no fun to say... But it, but it, it is a good thing. I tell you, from first-hand experience, you know, to just say, you know what? I, I've blown it again, and I see what I've done wrong. And I am truly sorry. Would you forgive me? 
There's just a tremendous amount of weight that that lifts off of us when we know we've cleared something up, when we've acted in pride. So act and speak in humility. Choose to lower, your, to lower yourself. Pride is when we push ourselves up to this high level above everyone else. Humility lowers oneself down and pushes other people up. So treat others like they're more important. Proverbs 29-23 says, Pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. Humility is like this gateway to real honor in life, but it's a very, very difficult thing to be a person who lets other people shine rather than ourselves. The last thing is this. Tied to pride in a way is, is selfishness. Selfishness tends to be the root of most of our conflict, Scripture says in James. This is what James, the brother of Jesus, wrote. He says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You know, why do our kids fight? Because they want something and they don't get it. And someone else took it from them. And then it's all out war. You know, that, that pattern doesn't stop in childhood. It, it, it follows us along in adulthood. And we have to, our parents can help train that out of us, but we have to work on that all of our life. The cure is this, just looking to other people's interests, choosing to, to get past ourselves and to say, you know what, I want to put these people in my life, my friends, if you're married, my, my husband or wife, the person I'm dating, I, I want to put their goals ahead of my own. I want to see to it that their needs are met. This is a verse and a principle that our church um, highly values. This is one of our um, core values, is looking to the interests of others ahead of ourselves. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, And whatever you do, don't let selfishness or pride be your guide, but be humble and honor others more than yourselves. Don't be interested only in your own life, but care about the lives of others too. You know, it's a difficult thing, but if you'll do this in your relationships, over time they'll blossom. That's the best part about relationships is God has given us the tools to recognize when there's these ticking time bombs. He, he's made it real clear for us not only how to detect what they are, but he's also showed us how to turn around and to begin doing life differently. It's difficult, and most of the time what I find is I cannot do this stuff on my own. If, if I don't connect with other people who are also trying to walk with God and paying attention to what he says in life, it's very, very difficult for me um, to spot these areas in my life. Unless people are in my life helping me um, balance my thoughts out, you know, sometimes I'm, I have to digest interaction with someone that didn't go so well, and I'm, maybe I'm dealing with a relationship killer, and as I'll talk it through with someone else just to say, you know, here's what happened. I don't, I don't get what, what went wrong here, and sometimes some of those closest to me are able to help me spot these ticking time bombs, and they say, yeah, have, you, have you looked at this? sounds like you're being a little selfish here. Sounds like you're trying to get your needs met. Sounds like you're acting in pride. Sounds like you're, you're failing to listen or communicate. You know, we need people who will help us in these areas. So I encourage you to, if you're not connected to a local church or to groups of people who are walking with God and want, you know, want to walk um, or you know, want to do life His way, then I'd encourage you to um, you know, get to know who we are as a church, maybe jump into a small group, because there's people who are trying to um, have successful relationships that... You know, as you link your life with them, that, that can be a really good thing for you as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, the band's going to continue to lead us. Father, we thank you for your love. And God, as we've, we've wrapped up just how to have healthy relationships, as we've looked at these relationship killers, Lord, I pray that 
each one of us, Lord, would walk away with one or two um, areas, God, that we can identify and just say, you know what, that's, that's my main struggle. Those are my main struggles. And um, would begin to just really focus in, Lord, on um, overcoming these relationship killers. Lord, I know that we're really powerless to, um, to deal with this stuff on our own. And so, Lord, I know... And we confess together that we need your help in these areas. We need your help to deal with pride and selfishness and just failing to connect. Lord, all these things, Lord, we need you and the power of your Holy Spirit inside of us, working on the inside to help us to turn around, to help us recognize these areas that, we've, that we might be uh, you know, developing as patterns. Lord, would you help us to spot them and then help us, Father, with your power to do things differently so that our relationships could really blossom over time. We love you, God, and we thank you for loving us first, Lord, and and giving us an opportunity to know you through Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.